Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. So as Angus said, today we begin a new series called Church Complete. So we previously looked at the I Am statements of Jesus out of John. And today we look at the church complete. So just, just looking ahead, today I'll speak on um, workmanship, as Angus said, out of Ephesians. And then Brennan will speak on the church's household building. And then Mark will speak on the church as the body. And Liam on the church as the bride. And lastly, Mark will speak on the church as the army. So uh, let's pray and we'll stay within our 20 minutes. Okay, Father, we just thank you this morning that we can be in your presence. God, you are here. We can worship you. We are here because of your great love, because of your salvation, because of your mercy to each of us. And God, we do say that we need you afresh today. Amen. So yeah, the church as God's workmanship or masterpiece so who woke up this morning and looked in the mirror and said, hallelujah, I'm a masterpiece? <laughs> or did you go, oh no, it's morning? <laughs> or whatever, where's the cat? I don't know, you're, you're very spiritual. But we're looking at the, the, as the masterpiece, the church. So we can think individually, we can think corporately, but we're thinking of the church as the masterpiece. But... You know, I lived in a Buddhist country, and they say to be in that country is to be Buddhist. But we're not Christian because we live in a Christian country. It's not so Christian anymore. Perhaps once upon a time they said that about New Zealand. But the Bible talks about individually responding to God. So I'm not a, I'm not a, I didn't actually come from a Christian family. I was first up Christian in my family, but people can think, oh, I'm from a Christian family. God requires that we respond to him individually, doesn't he? So we're looking, as Inga said, the book of Ephesians, and the Ephesian church wasn't a perfect church. So you can think, the church, God's masterpiece, perfection? No, uh, Philip Yancey said, I rejected the church for a time because I found so little grace there. That was his experience. He said, I returned because I found grace nowhere else. I like that. So I found grace nowhere else. So we are made up of maybe crackpots, someone said. Crackpots. I won't speak for you, but for myself. But treasure and earthen vessels. That's who we are, aren't we? The, the strength of the Christian isn't in his strength, but in God's strength. Paul said, I would boast in my weaknesses that the power of God might manifest in me. So we, we come, there's, there's level ground at the foot of Calvary. So Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and it was, a, it was more of a, a sermon than a letter, and it was to be read out in various congregations across the province of Ephesus. So we look at, Ephesians, and we can think of Ephesians 6 as a kind of warfare chapter, but in a sense, the whole book of Ephesians is warfare. And 
A clue is in the beginning when we look in chapter 1, when Paul prayed, he didn't just pray as a kind of opening, you know, here's a nice thing to do. But he prayed, it, it gives an insight into the whole book. And he prayed that the eyes of their heart might be opened, that they might have revelation. And in some ways, the book of the book of Ephesians opens our eyes to see things from God's perspective, to see the church and this world from God's perspective. So we, we, we look on a human level so often, but in the book of Ephesians, it opens up to us God's perspective. This is what Christ has done. This is, this is what Christ has done. So let's read. <clears throat> and thank you. Did an excellent job getting that together. Thank you, team. So this is the New Living Translation. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedient and your many sins. You used to live in them, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, but God, I love that. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us that even though we were dead because of our sins, he made us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all the future ages as examples of the credible wealth of God's kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned long ago. Okay, so a fantastic passage of scripture. Some people say that Ephesians 2 is really Romans condensed. So you look at Ephesians 2, you see Romans there right right through. But so often when we preach the gospel, who likes the good news? Yeah, we like the good news. But Paul starts with the bad news. I think we sung about that this morning. Paul starts with the bad news, and um, I don't know if any of you watched the news clip about a, a, a young man, I think he's 24, and he was rowing. Is anyone 24 here? Maybe. You're all much younger. Um, this young man was going to row from Lima to Australia. Doesn't sound such a good idea to me. But anyway, he, he got, it, got to Vanuatu and he was about three days out of Vanuatu in his handmade boat, as you do, rowing across from Lima. And a wave hit him 
and he only had time. He was contemplating his evening meal. He said he only had, con- he only had time to swim out and, and strap himself to the top of the boat with a rope where he waited for 14 hours and he set off his EPIRB. There he is, smiling. And uh, thankfully that was picked up by someone in Australia and then they, uh, they notified New Caledonia and they were able to d- divert a cruise liner, uh, I think 20-something hours away, to pick up this young guy, and he arrived back in Auckland. So, uh, yeah. Moral of the story, don't try to row from Lima, okay? But no, he, he, he was keen to be rescued, this man, wasn't he? If, if, you, if you're swimming in your swimming pool and, and Angus comes along and jumps in and drags you to the side, you're not, you're not so happy with Angus. But if, but if you, you're, in, you're in, a, in a raging sea and, and a, a cruise liner comes to get you, you're a happy man. Our predicament without Christ was that we were spiritually dead. We, uh, uh, God said, if you do this, you'll surely die. Not die physically, but die spiritually. So that was our state in Christ. If we could go to the next one. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. So you were dead, the Bible tells us. Physically dead. People, uh, I was switched off to, to, to spiritual things. I didn't have any time for, for Christ, Christ, Christians or Christianity. I was dead spiritually. And bound by the devil, people, but, you know, I was of that generation, freedom, peace, freedom. Brother had Woodstock poster on the wall and, you know, we were were of that generation, freedom, but there was no freedom. Jesus said, he who sins is a slave of sin. So there was no, there was no freedom there. You know, Bob Dylan, you got to serve somebody. You know, you might be an ambassador to England or France. You might like your whiskey. You might, dance, might like to dance. You might be the ambassador, you know, heavyweight champion of the world, but you still got to serve somebody. And we are under the judgment of God. So a loving God, there must be justice. For there to be love, there must be justice. So, but the next slide. Thank you. But don't you like the butts of Scripture? I love the butts of Scripture. Romans says, but God shows his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah for the butts of scripture. I'm so glad for God's great mercy on that day. It'll be my king died in my place. So God's solution. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. So people need to know about the character of God. They need to know about the nature of God, but they need to know about the character of God. So we are his workmanship. Uh, Next slide, thanks. Yeah. And uh, he raised us up. This is our position in Christ. We are seated with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places. So that in ages to come. So we can look at the church from this side of eternity. God also looks at the ages to come. Then the ages to come. Isn't that incredible? 
ages so God can point to us and all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. We are trophies of the grace of God in the ages to come. On that day, hallelujah. But central to the church always must be the, the death and the resurrection. They preached the resurrection. Go through, go through Acts. They preached Jesus rose from the dead. That's, that's the good news. Next one. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. Only God can bridge that gap, can't he? God is the only one that can, can bridge that gap. So the failure of works, we can talk about the failure of works and we can t- talk about the necessity of works. So if you want to remember two things today, remember masterpiece on display. We, our identity is we are God's masterpiece. Secondly, our purpose is good works. Our good works. People need to see that lived out. Yes, we are saved by faith, not works. That's the failure of works. But as a Christian, flowing out of our lives, there is this desire that other people know Jesus and other people experience something of the character of God through what we do. Now, we can think of acts of charity, but all of our life, all of our life can be a good work. The way we bring our children up, where God has put you in your, in your workplace is a good work. Where, where, where all the scripture says, to the glory of God, I can give a drink of water in his name. Jesus said, you'll not lose your reward. Yet I can give all I have to feed the poor without love that profits me nothing. I can be generous with my money, but if it's from a motivation to gain honor with man, it profits nothing. But if I give the, the smallest, like the widow's might, Jesus said, that gained favor. They scoffed at the woman who, who poured out the oil on Jesus, but Jesus said she has done a good thing. She has done a good thing. She has done what she could. What can we do? What can we do? And, and God places things on our heart. And it's encouraging this morning, you know, the testimony in the, in the workplace, in the, in the canteen there. God does put you in the situations, opens those divine appointments, puts things on your heart that you never imagined God could do that because your desire is to bring glory to God. Your desire is that people see something of who the Father is. You know, maybe you, you grew up, your father wasn't that great an example. I, I, I had a fairly checkered upbringing. But Father God, you know, people need to see who he is. The masterpiece on display. So I'm just going to close with this story. So I could tell you a lot of other scriptures that talk about being zealous for good works. The Bible is to prepare us for good works. 
um, there's so much in Titus that talks about good works. But maybe we could ha- go through a couple yeah, this here. So I'll just finish with this story. This is, this is a, a master uh, painting called El Albanil. So by a Mexican um, artist, and his name was um, Diego Rivera. So he painted this as a kind of a, uh, the, his signature is quite sort of juvenile because he painted this when he was 18 years of age in 1904 in Mexico. And the painting was bought by an American couple taken back to the States and uh, it was in a state of disrepair. In fact, they hung it behind a door and when you opened the door, the painting was hidden. So, so you couldn't even see El Albanil. Now, his, his subject of this, of this Mexican painter, he liked to paint Mexican laborers, common people. Who's a common person? I'm a common person. He, he took the, you know, the weak things of this world. I'm, I'm one of those. And anyway, it hung behind the door until the great-grandson, he inherited this, and he took it to the Antique Roadshow. Anyone watch the Antique Roadshow at some stage? And uh, they appraised it, and they found out this was the lost El Albanel. How amazing. The labourer. And they valued it, and they, they always say, mm, would you like to know how much it costs? Mm. As they you know, look at it and say, where did you get this and all that? Uh, 800000 to a million dollars. This was what it was worth, hanging behind the door. God has made us a masterpiece not to hang behind the door. Amen? Not that we feel capable, worthy or anything, but he is able by his grace to, to display through the church his character for the ages to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we feel so inadequate, but we thank you for what Jesus has done, that we are new creatures, we are made anew, that that is the masterpiece, what Jesus has done when he died and rose again, and we are born again of his spirit, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. God, continue to open opportunities that we might serve you for the glory of your name, that you might receive all the praise and the glory and people might come to know that Jesus is the Savior.